five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the WDMA. Let's see if that Christmas tree turns on today. <laughs> Shame if it went to waste. It's mistletoe. Oh. Um, yeah. Turkey's ready. Ooh, Turkey's turkey. ready. That is a smoking hot turkey. However, they did that with bacon Something on the outside yeah. and the stuffing. And Could you pass us his sprouts? That's a really good looking. Yep. She's a tease. <laughs> she is definitely a tease. Don't you think she's terrible? I think that's just terrible. That poor guy. Okay, waitrose. Anyway, <laughs> but it gave me a laugh, and I, you know, I have. This is a good section of Christmas commercials from a year ago from the UK, so I really like it. And now let's get over to the serious stuff. The super, super, duper serious stuff. Okay, first off, Ad Association and IPA which is a some a kind of beer, I think. Welcome delay to wrongful junk food ad ban. Okay, so you've, you know, you've heard for years that they're going to ban junk mail. Now they're trying to ban junk food ads. And there's a really nice picture of, I think, Skittles or M&M's. Not sure. It looks to me like Skittles. I don't see the, any M's on them anywhere. So, but anyway, the deal is in the UK that there's childhood abuse, uh, tackling childhood obesity, and they think that banning ads <laughs> will dramatically impact it. The ad association says no, they're not going to. You know why? Because candy is great. It's really nice to eat. I love candy. Right. And uh, so and Christmas time is a time for candy, even more than Halloween. And that doesn't take advertising when you got a big bowl of something out there as as a as a an appetizer. <laughs> but what is the big issue? Uh, and this is, you know, fact check this. But I I ate a lot of candy when I was a kid. <laughs> you can tell I was a candy fan. And uh, and I may have had a little trouble with childhood obesity. It's not funny. I was called fatty. But eventually I grew up a little and ate less candy and got outside more. And, um, you know, my BMI isn't is could use I could use to lose 10 pounds. If I, when I lose 10 pounds, actually eight pounds from here, I'm in the it won't matter. <laughs> Losing any more weight won't help you live longer. So I've been watching my weight my whole life. But I think a bigger issue is probably the amount of time spent on electronic devices, to be honest about it, instead of getting out and playing in the yard. Um, that was always what we did. Get out and play. My wife says, yeah, her mom would say, just be back when the streetlights come on, because she lived in a city. We didn't have any streetlights around us, but we we didn't, nobody knew where we were. We were out doing crazy stuff, driving off cliffs with our bicycles and stuff. Okay, so anyway, I don't know what to say on this except, you know, who judges the junk food? Um, you know, I mean, some people think meat is junk food, right? And uh, that commercial was a big meat commercial. Um, so healthcare professionals vehemently believe the ad ban will help, right? But at what cost and what, how much help, right? Will it even be measurable? Can you test it? That's something I always ask. 
can you test it? Let's ban it in a couple of markets and see if it has any measurable effect. And I doubt that it will. I seriously doubt that it will. Um, and we know that healthcare professionals can have mixed opinions. So be careful that way. Once you start banning stuff, it gets to be a pandemic. Okay, this was an interesting article by Scott Gillum from The Drum. Emotions don't drive B2B purchase decisions. This does. Sort of a clickbait. Sort of a clickbait uh, headline. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, back, 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 way back, probably in scientificadvertising.com, it's still, it already is well documented. That's from 100 years ago, written in 1923 or published in 1923. Um, 100 years ago, that buyers were not rationally driven decision makers. We use, we use our rationality to justify what we want to do. <laughs> That's the way it works. And so, uh, and so ad agencies and advertisers learned that rather than talk about the features of the product, you might want to talk about how the product makes you feel. Okay? And you might want to figure out whether the audience is, uh, is you know, what they are feeling when they try to make those decisions. It's a difficult thing to do because we lie to ourselves about our own feelings, <laughs> right? Summer Gould had a couple of articles on this and uh, excellent. And one of them is, one of the emotions is fear. The other is avarice, <laughs> I think. Uh, you really want this, it'll make you feel successful or it'll make you feel smart or it'll make you feel beautiful or it'll win you that love that you desire, like the turkey commercial kind of is the opposite of that. Um, and here's the challenging part about this article. Research revealed, for example, that early adopters made purchasing decisions because it makes them feel innovative and powerful, a part of a group like thought leaders. Okay, but mm, 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 mm. and so then instead of people's faces, you know, the pharmaceutical commercials are always about how you'll feel and they're all happy commercials. And then they have, you know, this might kill you. If it doesn't kill you, it might cause stroke or uh, thoughts of suicide or, you know, this whole list of stuff. You say, gee, that might not be that great, <laughs> but I'll feel good while I'm doing it anyway. Um. So instead of putting faces in their ads, they spoke of value buyer, the buyers receive through the implementation or use of the products. And uh, we may have missed a mark on that, but they did it because of research. Research, research said, you know, research is a dangerous thing. Again, I think we use research to justify what we want to do, just like we use emotion and reason to justify our emotions. I mean, what we want to do. Okay, uh, a new research said that per people purchase the latest technology because of the desire for personal growth and competence. Now, in retrospect, our research stopped short of understanding what was driving those feelings. We put the horse before, we put the horse, bef the horse does go before the cart. <laughs> you put the cart before the horse, you guys, <laughs> Scott. But you meant to say, you put the cart before the horse, but 
who knows what you did here? That you could have best to kick this sentence right out of there. Uh, anyway, writers, maybe you used AI. In our shift to understand personal drivers, our research for, focused on how the buyers felt, but not what was motivating them. Now, I thought up above you said that emotions motivated people. Anyway, the big, the big $64,000 question, if you want to read the rest of this, is that you should test. There's not a word of testing in here. We can test. We can test which works the best. We may not know all the causes, but knowing all the causes is difficult with humans because we don't know why we do what we do. And some days we do it and some days we don't. And in B2B, there's often a committee involved. So it's not as, it's not, you know, it's hard enough to figure out why consumers do what they do. But it, you know, as the article goes on, it says, and we know that, Business buyers make decisions like just like consumer buyers. And, you know, I would say I saw some really good research that said that I don't even make decisions the same for the same in my own life as a, as a consumer. So I might take a lot more time. You know, I was thinking of buying a Subaru. And so I went on Facebook and found a high mileage Subaru owners group that you had to be a Subaru owner. And so I write, wrote to them and I said, I'm not a Subaru owner yet, but I'm thinking of buying one. Would you let me in the group? And they graciously did. And so for a couple of weeks, I read all the posts <laughs> and they basically said Subaru is supposed to be high quality, but they've replaced the radiators with from metal to plastic. They've replaced these belts. They've replaced this, and the gaskets, head gaskets, uh, need to be replaced often in the engine. And a friend of mine was interested in a Subaru, and he told me, and I said, well, I've, I've joined this group, and it sounds like the way to have a high-mileage Subaru is to be able to change your own head gasket. <laughs> And he bought it anyway. He didn't listen to me. And guess what? Immediately, within a couple of weeks, the head gasket needed to be redone. And it was, I don't know what, $2,500, $3,500 or something like that. So his great deal on the Subaru wasn't so great. My point is, I did a lot of research, okay? When I want to buy a USB cord, as an example, uh, I don't spend that time. I don't care, right? I just want a functional thing. And sometimes, you know, I bought a headlamp on eBay and it didn't come with a battery, you know, one of those lights you strap on. And I spent more getting the battery than I did getting the headlamp. I don't know. For some reason I bought the battery at retail over here. I could have bought it and waited for weeks, uh, which I'd already waited for for the headlamp. But my point is is that I make different decisions differently. I buy different kinds of products differently in my own life. So let's be a little careful. Okay, Ashley Jorgensen and I'm not going to give her the due that this deserves. Um, she's going to focus on direct mail strategy. Okay, but we always like to have some direct mail in here mixed in with all the advertising baloney that we have to shoot down. Um, and Ashley said, marketers are looking for ways to optimize their budgets. Right? True. So why not incorporate direct mail? Well, a lot of people think it's expensive, but it may also be effective. But direct mail seems to be coming back. According to USPS statistics, direct mail marketing revenue, I think that's for the post office, increased almost 5% over the previous year. And um, it's still lower than it was pre-pandemic, and it's much lower than it was in about 2008, which is when the Internet started 
getting all the promotions. Um, and rising ink, paper, and postage add to the uncertainties, but of course, social media and advertising and that sort of thing, mass media, is also rising dramatically right now since we've been printing money so effectively for the last few years. Find your audience with better data. You know, and mail, you know, you may not know everything about the data, but you can test it. Data has long been the king of direct marketing and direct mail, right? Um, but it is somewhat an art and a science. We have very solid results because we know who got mailed and we know who didn't get mailed. And so oftentimes we can apply geodemographics and other things, first party data, to figure out what's going on very precisely. And that allows us to be scalable at to go dramatically fast at scale although the large mailers are um, concerned that they can't that, that the lists are getting less available and smaller um, so anyway start by making sure your data is accurate I would say this is still part of number one and that isn't really important uh, we handle deduping and standardizing names and so on there's there's easier ways to do it, but sometimes it helps to roll up your sleeves and actually look at your data. See how many dupes, you know, just get something simple. Get an analysis done. A lot of merge houses will do it for free. Um, just send them a 5,000 name sample. Uh, the tricky part with a sample is you don't see all the dupes, so don't do that. Um, that won't work. <laughs> you really want to send them a bigger sample and then just have them send the dupes and see how they do. And you might send them to more than one and see how they do. Um, so you can, you can, um, here's the stuff about, you know, recency, frequency, monetary, which we actually have a website, rfm.migmar.com, where you can read Don Levy's book on recency, frequency, monetary, or a number of really good articles, academic articles, and also how to go a little bit beyond that. Um, but th the fact that the fact that this is mentioned suggests that it isn't, you know, this is more of an intro level um, because we've been re using RFM for literally decades. And um, and it works, it really does. It, it, the truth is, no matter how much data you have, the number of variables is, gives you diminishing returns. And recency, most of the time, will give you the best returns. Um, although we have, there's an interesting story in my book. I think it's, I think they've stopped printing it at Amazon, but you can get the, you can get the PDF of it or the Kindle. But in there, there's a book about, about seasonality and how re recency completely worked the opposite of expected. Again, you might want to talk with somebody who knows what they're talking about. Um, trigger touch points. And we talked about automated mail yesterday. Uh, you know, shopping cart abandonment or or anonymous visiting your website, you know, if they stay around a little while. You can also, uh, a printed piece is tactile and you can use it to activate different touch points than you typically would in other channels. Uh, we know that it gets delivered. We know who it got delivered to and it's a decision maker within the household and they have to make a decision with it. Think about all those things. And so... <clears throat> In the proper place, with the proper spending, mail can dramatically improve your results because mail doesn't throw itself away, whereas digital does, right? And all other advertising does. So, 
present options and solutions for your comp for your customers. Um, you may go to thinner, lighter paper. I I tend to go to lower quality paper, but thicker, so that you still have that tactile perception. And lower quality, thicker paper uh, can actually improve results. Um, newsprint type paper seems to evoke a a good deal, you know, like your FSIs, like your sale flyers from True Value Hardware or Walgreens or your local grocery store. And so I have consistently seen something like a 20% improvement in response and order size when you go to less expensive but thicker, bulkier paper. Test it. That's always the theme of the program. Reduce envelope weight. Well, that may save you postage again. But postage is, you know, not probably 10% or whatever. You know, it could be up to 50%. Depends on how you structure it. Um, but you could try, you know, you can try self-mailers or jumbo postcards. It's expensive to, to move to these tests, though, because they're not, you have to redesign your whole, your whole content, right? Uh, standard envelopes, this is especially uh, handy because they're easier to source. Okay, you can... Uh, you know, one of our WDMA members, Mary Padamadon, said she was having challenges sourcing envelopes. And um, they do some envelopes up there. So standard sizes was, was a good idea. Okay. So excellent thoughts on direct mail from Ashley Jorgensen, um, who is the marketing director at mailing.com. Okay. Have a great day. Like and share. Don't forget, next Friday, 2 o'clock Chicago time, we're going to have a jingle mingle. We always have a lot of fun, but the Christmas ones are especially fun. And if you have a, uh, what do you call, ugly sweater, Christmas sweater, bring it. Santa hats are welcome. Uh, we will have a lot of fun. Take care. Like and share. Your friends will know you're smart.